0: in Goblin's Towers. This, this. To the Splat Zone Nintendo Podcast. We are a monthly video cast slash podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Nintendo-related topics. I am your host, nice One Nine Eight Three,
1: and I am your co-host Mario After Party.
0: And guys, today's episode is a special one. On September twentieth, two thousand fifteen, we started a podcast, and we called it the Splat Zones. Uh, so. It's September 30th. It's been over a year by a few days. So today we promised a big anniversary show and this is it. We're going to talk about what a crazy ride it has been throughout the whole year. We're going to talk about our triumphs, our failures, all the trials and tribulations that went with starting a new podcast and turning to get into something that was directly for you guys. We wanted to make a show for you guys and we're going to talk about all of that. So, after party. 1 year. Are you excited to do this episode, bro?
1: Yes. Uh and I can't believe it's already been a year.
0: Dude, yeah, it just flew by, man. Like it just it literally flew by and we did so many episodes in the span of a year, considering that we're a monthly show.
1: I know, right? Like, we, we started this show off monthly, and we had uh, some of the listeners uh, write us and, and say, God, you guys should be weekly or bi weekly. We want to hear more. And we were like, well, you know, we don't really have any plans to, to go ahead and do this on a bi weekly basis. But then, of course, we wanted to be up to date with all the news that we were. Um, analyzing and and reporting and and talking about. So then we were like, well, we'll just come out with episodes when we have something to talk about. So it's not really scheduled. And we started coming out with, you know, with uh, the Pokemon Corner and, uh, you know, a lot of of, uh, really great news about, you know, Pokemon Go, Pokemon Sun and Moon. And it just turned into this monster that, you know, (laughs) We have a show that, like, we do have a scheduled episode we do every month, and then if, if we need to do more, we do more.
0: Yeah, it, it couldn't have said it better myself. But since you brought up the news, let's go ahead and use that to segue into the Nintendo News Report. So we've, yeah. got, we've got a couple stories uh, I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, so the first one is a statement that uh, Ishihara-san from the Pokemon Company gave to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, We want to talk about this one because on this show, Mario After Party and I decided that we would not talk NX rumors because Nintendo wasn't saying anything about the NX. So it is unfair to speculate on what the NX is. The reason we're going to do so now is because the Pokemon company is partially owned by Nintendo, thus making them a second party company, which means when they say something, that is pretty much confirmation of anything. When the, when the president of the, of the Pokemon company says something about the NX, we, re- we really don't have to take that with a grain of salt. We can really take him at face value. So the first thing that he did say was, is that they will be making Pokemon games for the NX, right? You know, everybody can assume that they you know, they're a second-party company. For them to say they're going to make games for a Nintendo console, that's not a stretch. But what is a stretch is his following statement. The NX is trying to change the concept of what it means to be a home console device or a handheld device. We will make games for the NX. That that's the key statement in all in the entire interview. That is the statement that we all needed to hear. There has been rumors, conjecture, speculation, any other word you want to use for it. But the the, the number one rumor is that the NX was a handheld slash console hybrid. This is something I think. This, this is this is actually, now that it's out in the open, I do want to say this. Nintendo is a company divided, and it, it has been since the Game Boy. Nintendo has always had to support two separate platforms, a handheld and a console device. They've been doing it since 1989. And it leads to, like, fracturing, because, like, to be a Nintendo fan, you have to invest in separate consoles at the same time you have to have a Wii U you have to have a 3DS or you have to have a Wii you have to have a DS you have to have a GameCube you have to have a Game Boy Advance etc etc combining combining the hardware into one is brilliant and you know it's something that Nintendo should have thought about doing years ago one console to support them all that is That's great, great news. And it's awesome to hear that kind of confirmation from Ishihara. Second, we have never had a Pokemon game on a console, like a legit Pokemon game. We've had Pokemon Coliseum, we've had Pokemon Tournament, Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Snap, but we never got like that full, true Pokemon game on a console. Because this is a hybrid device, theoretically we can play Pokemon on our TV screens and what I hope that means is that the Pokemon game that comes out on the NX will be a top-notch, high-def, high-quality, triple-A Pokemon game. The game that we've wanted since 1998 here in the States. Um, after Party, what do you got to say on this matter, man? Well, it'll be a little easier to kind of
1: speculate on what the next uh, Pokemon game is going to be like in the main series. Uh, It does look like it's going to be on the NX because if the NX is a console and handheld hybrid, um, that is definitely going to change a lot of things, at least in the Pokemon universe, because we're going to have a game that is on Nintendo's you know, most powerful console, and previously, you know, they have been exclusive to handhelds, so it's interesting. I don't really know. Uh, I kind of want to see more about the NX when Nintendo finally decides to unveil it before I start to speculate on, on, you know, the, the next Pokemon game, because I really, you know, I got to see how the system works and, and what you can do with it, but I mean, I like the idea of it. It sounds great. And, um, the NX sounds like it's going to be going into uncharted territory. Um, this is a huge gamble for Nintendo and it's one that could make or break the company. I think that it will be successful just because Nintendo, um, is not going to let themselves screw up twice, um, History has also shown us that even if they have a console that uh, doesn't perform to expectations, usually the next one after that exceeds it. So, you know, I'm hoping that this is going to be
0: a really uh, great, like, leap forward for the Pokemon series. Not just that, but let's, you know, let's think about it. There have been years where Nintendo's handheld consoles... Have kept the company afloat. I mean, I think we can point out two eras in Nintendo's life lifespan uh, that we can clearly say where their handheld kept them alive. Uh, during the GameCube era, um, the yeah. Game Boy Advance kept Nintendo above water. You know, and again with the you know the Wii U era, the 3DS has kept Nintendo above water. Now the 3DS had a lot more trouble out the gate uh it was high price point launch titles didn't get titles that were supposed to be launch titles got pushed back extremely far kid icarus being being the main culprit on that end but nintendo's handhelds they they know how to make a, a handheld thrive even in this era of smartphones and you know tablets nintendo has managed to keep their handhelds relevant as technology evolves. So if it's truly this hybrid console that you know Ishihara san is, is saying that it is, then we know that Nintendo knows how to market and how to deal in the handheld realm and how to make it relevant to this day and age. So not too worried about that. But what what I do wonder about more specifically Pokemon. So we didn't get an enhanced version of X and Y. Instead, they jumped straight into Pokemon Sun and Moon. Would it be fair to say that... I'm, and this is just speculation. This is just me making you know, a prediction. I would like to think that Pokemon Twilight, which is what I'm going to call the, the enhanced version of Pokemon Sun and Moon... It's a good name. ...will be on the NX. Doesn't take too much work for them to, you know, do extra enhancements. Put it on the NX. I'm calling it. The name is going to be Pokemon Twilight, and it will be will appear on the NX. Um,
1: that would be interesting. But, the problem with, with that is, they have to be compatible with the ones on the 3DS. So, if you put it on the NX, that means the, the NX is going to have to have um, a really strong support as far as compatibility to the 3DS is concerned. So,
0: I don't know. Um, Considering that, the, that the, the 3DS can be used as a controller in Smash Bros. on the Wii U, I'm certain that they can figure out how to at least give us basic functions of, a, of trading and whatnot in in the pokemon game
1: i personally don't think that they're you know going to release if if it is pokemon twilight if they do come out with a third game i think they're just going to release it for the 3ds because when they do make a pokemon game for the nx they, uh, they probably want it to be big and they want it to really blow people's minds so they're probably just going to save it for the next generation but that's just my opinion so i could be wrong um I've been wrong before in the past. I know we're going to get into some of our predictions we've had over the show, um, speculations. Uh, I know that I was listening to the first episode. um, We were talking about all this Pokemon Go stuff, and I remember uh, there was a part in the episode where we were talking about the Go Plus, and you were like, I think it's going to be hard to find because, you know, like – it's going to be one of those things like the amiibos, where where people just you know they can't get their hands on it, and it's going to be sold on like Amazon or or eBay for like a hundred dollars. And I was like, well, I was like, I don't think people are going to use it as a collector's item. I think people are going to be using it um, just to play the game. So why would there be a shortage? Oh well, I didn't think that obviously because Nintendo didn't make enough for this damn game. So I was wrong on that one and you were totally right. No one can get a freaking Pokemon Go Plus anymore. I didn't get one on day 1 cuz I still when it when it came out, I was like, "Uh, eh, I'll I'll just go a couple days later. It's it's not going to be that hard to get." But should have known that Nintendo never ever has enough when something is popular. So I'm just going to have to wait. But Anyway, sorry, back to the main point. I got mine. I got my Go Plus. Yeah, but back to what you were saying. I, I think Nintendo's going to wait to release, uh, like, the next generation on the NX. I don't think they're going to do it with uh, the enhanced version of Sun and Moon, but
0: we shall see. All right, well, speaking of generations, let's go back in time. Or maybe not. Maybe we don't have to because Nintendo has been kicking ass on the retro console front, man. So last up, last month we talked about you know Nintendo's status as a pop culture icon, and while we were talking about that, we were talking about the NES uh, Classic Mini. It's you know you know for those who are new listeners. Let's just go ahead and break it down. The NES Classic Mini is a plug and play miniature NES console. 30 preloaded games. um, And the best part, it looks just like an NES and it comes with two full size NES controllers that plug directly into the system or they can be plugged into the bottom of a Wiimote and be used as classic controllers on the Wii. They're going to be selling those controllers separately as well for 10 bucks a piece. You get one with the system. I thought that was brilliant. When they announced that system, it's brilliant. And people went crazy all over the internet. Nobody has had anything bad to say about it because, yes, it has 30 preloaded games, but all 30 of those games are literally gold. They're 8-bit gold, and it's it was an awesome idea, and... You know, I have a few of those games already, but aesthetically to have like an NES in the house again, it, it was it, it sold me instantly. I'm like, oh my god, I can have an NES and I can set it right next to my original NES. I can have them side by side. And I was like, that's awesome. How so much was it again? It's gonna cost uh fifty nine ninety nine, so sixty bucks for thirty games, one controller and the console. It's not a bad price. It's actually fairly reasonable because you would spend, if you were to go on the eShop and buy all 30 of those games, you spent more than 60 bucks.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and there are some games out there, you know, if you want to buy like a, a brand new game for one of the newer consoles, you can spend, you know, 50 or 60 bucks. So that's, uh, I think that's a great price. And it's a great idea. The nostalgia factor is pretty huge. So they're going to be getting a lot of 80s babies buying that. But uh, I'm oh. definitely interested in it as well.
0: It's like I, like I said in the last episode, my cousin, who's nine years older than I am, we don't have very much in common. But when he saw it, we started talking about it at the dinner table. And he's like, I'm buying two. I'm buying one for me and one for my 15-year-old because I want him to play those games. You know, I had another friend who said he's going to buy one for his daughter. She's five now, and he wants her to grow up and appreciate those old 8-bit games the way that, you know, we grew up playing those old 8-bit games, and we still appreciate to them to this day. But Nintendo, in a moment of sheer brilliance, has expanded upon the idea of this mini system. So yesterday... Nintendo announced the Famicom Classic Mini. It is a miniature Famicom top-loading system, and it is as gorgeous as the original Famicom was. It's like the same design. The controllers mount to the system the way it used to. It's brilliant. You've got those glorious colors, the red and the beige. It says Family Computer on it. You've got your power button, your restart button. It is beautiful. And, you know, it also comes preloaded with 30 games. I think the list is actually a little bit different than the games that were um, announced for the American NES Classic Mini because, you know, the the NES library in Japan is slightly different than the one we got here in America because NOA, you know, if you read the book Console Wars, uh, Nintendo of America's, you know, they only wanted the best possible games to come out on the NES so not every game that was made for the Famicom got translated over to the NES so i think their list varies a little bit but i'm not sure but the brilliance of this is is that you know they didn't only america and europe had the NES and japan got the Famicom it is it is brilliant that they were smart enough to market Separately to each region so America and Europe are getting the, the NES classic and Japan getting the mini and it's like damn Nintendo. Yes, it's like finally Nintendo has figured shit out figured out marketing and figured out how to do it in the best way possible, it only took them 127 years.
1: Well, and it's also um, important in the preservation of video game history because it really helps to preserve the history of those old eight-bit games and keep them fresh in, you know, for a new generation to be able to
0: experience them as well. Not just that, but because they chose those classic designs, you know. There are kids who have never seen an NES. There are kids who have never seen a Famicom and they may never go to a place where they can see them. You I've know, never seen a Famicom. <laughs> I have only seen a Famicom once and it was in a museum. So that's that's something where I've only seen one and it was in a museum. So it's awesome to know that they're making it. Now here's my conundrum though is that I've already pre-ordered my NES Classic Mini, but because the Famicom, I I always loved the way the Famicom looked. I prefer the NES look because that's where I grew up on. But the Famicom was a very sleek device, considering that it it's like '80s sleek. You remember when, like in the in the '80s, that cars were more boxy, but they were considered stylish back then.
1: Oh yeah, the Famicom is stylish, especially the Famicom Mini with the you know. The way that it looks, um, that the one they're
0: going to release is stylish, too. It looks really good. The only thing that's a little different between the two variations, so with the NES Classic Mini, the controllers are going to be the same size as they were on the NES. The Famicom Mini actually has mini controllers, um, and the reason it has to be that way is because the controllers actually dock onto the system itself, So they dock on the sides of the of the system, so they had to shrink the controllers in order to make them dock. Uh, I don't have necessarily giant hands, but I've got fat hands, so I wonder what it's going to be like to be playing on a small controller. I still think, even though the NES controller is a decent size, it's still a relatively small controller, especially when you consider the size of the controllers we have nowadays. But it's a brilliant, it's brilliant marketing, and I'm loving the Famicom uh, Classic Mini. And as soon as the pre-orders go up on Amazon, I'm gonna, I'm gonna import this because I have to have it sitting next to the NES Classic Mini. It's, I'm excited about this product, man. I really am. Well.
1: Yeah, you're right. Controllers have gotten bigger. I mean, I think the Wii U gamepad is the largest controller in video game history. So, I mean, you could probably beat someone to death with it. (laughs) But, yeah, um, I think it's a great idea, too. With that, let me uh, slide into the third news story of the week. If you guys are as amiibo-obsessed as we are, and really, it's mostly a nice one, not me. But um, they are re-releasing some of those hard-to-get Amiibos. Gold Mario, Lucina, Pit, Samus, Mega Man, and Sonic are all going to be re-released on Friday, October the 14th. And Lucina is a Best Buy exclusive. Um, Best Buy is also accepting pre-orders right now for all of them. But uh, if you want the Lucina... You're going to have to go to Best Buy for that one. Um, Nice one. Is there anything on this list that you
0: don't have? Yeah. I don't have Lucina. I don't have Pit. I don't have Gold Mario. There's reasons for this. All the Fire Emblem characters, hard to find. Uh, Pit was Amazon exclusive, so when I tried to order it on Amazon, it was gone by the time I had a chance to order it. And, you know, Gold Mario was Walmart exclusive and Walmart from day one has had shitty Amiibo distribution. They don't get enough. They don't put them out on time. You know, they're supposed to put them out at midnight the day of since, you know, most Walmarts are 24 hours a day. They don't do that. I'm not going to hang outside of a Walmart for eight hours a day. So I miss my chance on Gold Mario. Super excited that I'm going to be able to finally get that one on my list because it's been bothering me. I have all of the Mario amiibos. To not have that gold Mario was eating me alive. Uh, I'm excited about getting Lucina because I only have one Fire Emblem character in the amiibo list, and that's um, Marth. And that was on the the previous restock they did of Marth. It's going to be nice to have Pit, man. Because we've said this before, but the, good thing, the great thing about the Smash line of Amiibos was that characters who have no representation outside of the games, which they don't even have very many games, are getting figures. Like, you know, Wii Fit Trainer, uh, Marth, Pit, Lucina, uh, these characters, they don't have a lot of physical products. And the great thing about Amiibo is we're because of Amiibo, we're getting them. Not having Pit was killing me, especially since I have Dark Pit. I was like, damn, come on. But it's nice to know that I will be able to get those Amiibo. I'm excited. Um, I'm glad that Best Buy is getting the Lucina Amiibo because uh, the last Best Buy restock was for Marth. And you remember what that Marth restock looked like. It oh, was yeah, like to the brim
1: yeah they definitely did it right um that's you know i didn't realize you didn't have so many of those um but i wasn't sure if you had the gold mario one i keep forgetting because you have so many but i mean it's good that they're that they're uh re-releasing these although and it's nice that we get to talk about some amiibo news because uh you know we amiibo news has kind of been like non-existent in the over the past few months so we really haven't mentioned it on the show um although we really haven't heard anything either about the Bayonetta or cloud amiibos or a Corrin, like, come on, like everybody will probably like sell their, you know, left pinky for like a cloud amiibo. Like people are going to be, you know, lining outside of, of uh, GameStop or Best Buy or whoever gets it, you know, long before anybody else who is normal will be awake. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on with those Amiibos, but...
0: I will definitely be hanging outside of Best Buy the mo- or wherever the oh, yeah. they I, announce Cloud. The moment I, they announce Cloud, I will fight somebody for Cloud. Oh, yeah. I, I don't even
1: really collect Amiibos that much, but I want Cloud. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they haven't, like confirmed a release date for him yet but it's kind of getting on my nerves
0: almost definitely so guys we have one more quick little story to talk about before we move into our next segment have you ever wondered how old mario is i mean if you if you had to venture a guess before the news came out today how old would you have said mario was in your opinion after party
1: man well and by the way, guys, his his age was confirmed, but it, it, we're not talking about the age, like, uh, how long he's, you know, since his creation, because, you know, we had the, recently had the 25th anniversary for Mario, right? Or was yeah.
0: it? Well, it's, it's the 25th anniversary for Super Mario, but Mario has technically been around since 1981 because he appeared in Donkey Kong.
1: Okay.
0: So, longer than, than that, so it's like He's been around for about 31 years total.
1: Yeah, but the um the age that was confirmed is just his age in the game. So but if I had to take a guess before this came out, I would have said
0: Mario was probably like 35 maybe. I would have guessed in the same realm. I would I mean, because let's let's be honest, Mario is not physically in his prime. At least it would appear that way. He's, you know, he's kind of short. He's a little dumpy. Sorry, buddy, but he, you know, he's, you know, he's a little dumpy, and you know, he's just he's a little overweight. It looks like maybe, you know, his metabolism starts to give out a little bit. You know, that he's a little bit up there in age. But no, man, Miyamoto confirmed that Mario is somewhere to in his mid twenties, around 24 or 25.
1: Yep, they said 24 or 25, so that is how old Mario has been in all of the games we've been playing, which, you know, I guess it's good to know, but uh, that was a nice little tidbit I thought we'd share with you today.
0: Let me tell you something, I did not have a mustache that thick when I was 24 or 25. I'm going to be 33 on Monday, and it's still not that thick. Is that? I mean, I guess he really is Italian. Must be. all right guys so that's the nintendo news report so let's just go ahead and slide into our next segment what are we playing so let me just go ahead and i'll jump this one off so i've been playing video games with my girl still uh we just beat uh new super mario brothers for Wii. we went we started with wii u beat that game jumped back went to we beat that game in about a week and a half, and that was a lot of fun. We, It's still really fun to, like, watch somebody really learn the ropes of a Mario game. Uh, but we, we did that. We beat that game, and then we jumped straight into Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. And that game is, I don't, I put off buying that game for a while. I knew I wanted it. I knew it was one of those, like, marquee titles for the Wii U that I should have bought at launch. But I just kept putting it off because there were other games coming out. Uh, it, it, it came out at, like, the wrong time, in my opinion. But, you know, now that it's part of the Nintendo Select line, it's a $20 game. You can't pass up a $20 Donkey Kong game. You just, you really can't. We've been playing it, and it's, it's brilliant, man. It's a lot of fun. Um, we're playing the two-player mode. We're killing each other left and right, but we're still having a lot of fun. It's it's a beautiful game too. Like I guess I didn't think about that, but it's it's always funny because I grew up playing those Donkey Kong Country games, and I remember when that first one came out, like how t- how uh, how much it was a leap forward in graphics. This game. Really pushes the envelope again on the Wii U. Like it looks brilliant, seeing Donkey Kong come to life in high definition. It's something else, man. It's it's a really fun game. So that's what I've been playing. What about you, bro? Um, well, been playing a lot of talking tournament.
1: Um, getting back into that again. I was playing Pokemon Go a lot more this week after taking a little bit of a break, but um. The new updates that they've made for this game have, uh, especially if you're playing it on iOS, have been causing the game to crash, like, really frequently. Um, even if you're just looking through your box, the game will just randomly crash. And uh, it, it's a particularly a problem for me because um, if you're battling the gyms or you're trying to build prestige, I mean, it will crash on you every four or five minutes and that's not an exaggeration and it's really frustrating because if it crashes on you when you're actually trying to take down a gym in in the middle of a battle you'll get the error screen when when you load up your app again and you try to get back in and that error screen is going to be there for a while so you know the one thing that has been keeping me going in this game has been the competitiveness of you know, trying to, you know, take down uh, gyms and just like team pride. But the the bugs in this game are really killing it for me. So, you know, it's it's been really frustrating. And I don't think I'm going to be playing the game very often until they fix the bugs because it's, it's just almost unplayable. And, um, you know, I don't think that we have any – Uh, you know, Niantic employees listening to this show because there's only like 70 people that work there. But if if we do, oh, my God, like, you know, you guys need to fix these bugs ASAP because it's it's almost unplayable. And I really, you know, I uh, I you know, if you're not going to give us trading or one on one battles or a good tracking system, you know, the, the one thing that I had was the gyms, and I, I can't even do that anymore. Like, I've been trying to take down gyms over the past couple of days, and I I can't take anything out because, uh, you know, I, like I've been trying to take down some level 9 or 10 gyms, and I'll get them down to like a level, you know, 6 or 7, and then boom, I get kicked out, and the air screen comes up, and it's just, you know. So I'm probably not going to play this game uh, anymore until they fix it because it's just – It's too irritating. So I guess for what I'm playing right now, it's really mostly a poking tournament. That's
0: true. Yeah, we had a pretty good session last night too. Yeah. Yeah, we played for like four hours last night. Well, you played with me for four hours, then you went to bed, and then I stayed up for like two and a half more hours playing. I've been awake since 6 o'clock Thursday morning. (laughs) All right, but that will take us into our next segment. Let's just go ahead and segue into our Pokemon Go stats. I'm currently at level 28. I finally leveled up. Uh, It was a long time coming. I had to do, like, a very large Mass Evolve. I ended up evolving, like, 80 Pokemon total. Uh, My buddy Pokemon is still a Dratini. I currently have... Let's take a look here. I have... Five Gems. It's, you know, it's down from the... The the eight that I had last time we did a show, but you know, I fired some shots on on Facebook, and since I've done that, the other teams have been coming after me pretty thoroughly. But you know, I'm still holding down five. Three of them are level ten gems. I'm I'm still I'm still challenging y'all. Find my gems. Come and take them out. I'll get more. You can't stop me. <laughs> um, and let me go ahead and pull up my Pokédex real quick. I have a 137 of 138. I finally got a Dragonite. Finally. After two, almost three months with this game next week, finally have a Dragonite. Frustrating, but it's finally done. But I'm keeping Dratini on as my buddy Pokemon so that I can power it up to new heights. After What are your Pokemon Go stats like for this week? So, I
1: have zero gyms right now because all my level 9 and 10 gyms got taken out, like, within the last two days. I don't know what's going on, but I guess the other teams just got sick of looking at them. So, and because I can't take any new gyms, because of all these damn bugs, I have zero gyms. So, thanks, Niantic. (laughs) Um, I am at level 30, though. Because I was on the grind, um, you know, really just catching everything in sight. So I finally got to level 30. Max revives are super helpful, guys. If you haven't made it to level 30 yet, um, they really save you a lot of potions because then you can just let your Pokemon uh, faint and then, you know, revive them with the max revive and you don't have to use potions. So in that sense, um, it's really helpful. But, yeah, so um, – and then I – I did acquire one more Pokemon to my Pokedex, so I'm at 136, um, and I'm very close to – well, I could actually get a, a Machamp if I wanted to, but I found a, a Machop that was really, really strong with good IVs, and it was um, a lot stronger in CP than, um, you know, the one – like my my current Machoke was – so if I evolved it, the difference in CP would be, like, almost a 1,000. So I'm just going to um, set myself back 25 candies and, uh, you know, wait a little longer. But I'll have them much champ soon. And uh, there is one of the, the new nests that spawned since the updates changed all the nests. Was we have a um, – well, it's not really a nest. It's more like a, just a spawn point, but we have Ammonites that spawn. Um, here in, in uh, near one of the high schools. So um, that has really helped me get closer. I, I only need one more Ammonite to get an Amistar. So I'm getting there. I'm getting there.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention that there was also a nest change this month, which is nice because uh, I wasn't too pleased with either my Charizard or my Blastoise. Uh, Ballast Point, you know, here in Champa, which is like Pokemon Heaven. Uh, that, that got a pretty big update where it's now a Charmander nest, which is awesome. So I will be going there when I get a chance to go, you know, start working on a second Charizard. Uh, and we also got a Squirtle nest. Finally, we got a Squirtle nest so I can work on a much better Blastoise because I got a Blastoise that doesn't know a single water move, has bite and like ice cannon.
1: That's terrible.
0: Yeah. Oh well, my Charizard doesn't have flamethrower. It has like iron tail or something ridiculous that no Charizard should have ever.
1: Yeah, you never. You get really unlucky with move sets on everything. Not even your Dragonite had good moves.
0: <laughs> Although you know what, Dragon Claw for my Dragonite ended up being a pretty good, uh, pretty good move set. So yeah, it came out. It came out okay. I um,
1: was lucky enough to hatch a few Growlies over the past, like, two weeks. So I was able to get another Arcanine, and uh, I got him. He, he came in at 1,700 CP with Fire Fang and Flamethrower, so he has good moves. And uh, when I get some more Growlithe candy, I will definitely be powering him up as well.
0: God, I got a shitty Arcanine. It has Fire Fang and Bulldoze. Like, I get the worst movesets. You do. (laughs) Like, the game hates me when it comes to movesets. Like, I have to breed, like, three of every Pokemon to get one that has a decent moveset. Every time. Every time.
1: I've been lucky. Um, The only thing that I kept getting bad movesets on was uh, Gyarados. I had to... It took me five tries to get a Gyarados that did not know Twister. So, it, but after that, um, everything else that I've been evolving lately has had really great moves. So.
0: Well, it took me four tries to get a Gyarados with Hydro Pump. I ended up with one with Twister, uh, two with Dragon Pulse, and finally this week I got one with <laughs> with Water, uh, with, with Hydro Pump.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I think Dragon Pulse is the, is the better move? Um, if you're defending the
0: gym, yeah. I
1: was yeah, if, yeah. If you're attacking, definitely Hydro Pump is better. But if you're defending the gym, I would rather have a uh, Dragon Pulse. And I, I, uh, I have two Gyaradoses with Hydro Pump. I actually don't have one yet with Dragon Pulse.
0: Ah, oh, this game, this game. It's a, uh, it's crazy because you know I still love this game, but you know we've talked about this a little bit last episode you know month 3 is is in you know couple de- we we're 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 6 days away from the third month with this game and it just seems like the the glitches are becoming more apparent yeah it's it's devolving you know and, and in the pokemon world you
1: don't devolve things you evolve things okay so i don't know what the hell is going on but i'm not happy and uh I'm probably just going to run around and like stock up on millions of potions and Revive so that when the bugs finally do get removed from this game, I can start taking over some gyms again. But right now, it is very sad. I have zero gyms. I don't think the last time I had zero gyms was the day this game came out. So <laughs> that's how bad things have gotten for me.
0: Well, you did move recently, so. I mean, to a bigger city, I mean, the competition... Now you, you're seeing what, what it's like to have real competition.
1: Man, yeah, but that's not the reason why I have zero gyms right now. <laughs> it is harder, I'll give you that, but...
0: Uh, anyway. All right, guys. So, what we're going to do real quick is we're going to go ahead and we're going to slide into our commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to get into our topic of the month, which is our first year anniversary special so don't go anywhere we will be right back been promising for the last two months to do a one-year anniversary extravaganza. Uh, What that entails is we wanted to talk about what it's been like to do this show for the first year, because it has been a learning experience, to say the least we went from knowing absolutely nothing to doing what we're doing now. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback over the course of this year. And because of the feedback, we have been able to make this a better show. But uh, yeah, we just wanted to go in there. We wanted to tell what it's been like and what we have coming in the near future. So with that being said, Let's just move into our first talking point for our you know, for the subject matter that we're talking about, our one year anniversary. So the first thing is why we started the show. So I started my own YouTube channel a little over a year a year ago. And it was doing okay. It was doing okay, but you know, I I, I do unboxing videos for you know Nintendo themed toys and amiibo. And, you know, not just Nintendo-themed toys, but anything that's Nintendo-related that can be used to decorate my game room. You know, that's my ultimate goal, is to build a Nintendo-themed game room that will make you literally feel like you have been transported to the Mushroom Kingdom. That is my ultimate goal. So I decided to make a channel that would chronicle that event. So I use that as my platform. You know, and then I was wondering what I could do to expand the show, you know, the channel. What could we do to make the channel better? And, you know, After Party and I, we have these huge, very long Nintendo-related conversations. You know, we do it all the time. Like, we, we do it on almost a weekly basis. We're like, one, one day of the week, we will talk about nothing but Nintendo-related news topics. Then the next time we speak... It'll be nothing but, you know, MMA slash UFC news. And we'll talk about these things for hours. Well, ultimately, it, 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 it occurred to me that we have a tremendous wealth of knowledge in both Nintendo things and mixed martial art things. Uh, since I was already doing a Nintendo-themed show, I was like, you know, this is something I would like to explore sometime in the future. And I'm a huge fan of podcasting. I love podcasts. I listen to about 15 a week. I don't even listen to the radio anymore when I'm in my car. I'm I'm strictly listening to nothing but podcasts. And it was always something I wanted to do. Then they announced Pokemon Go. And the conversation after Party and I had was an epic two-hour-long conversation where we discussed the possibilities of a game like Pokemon Go, what it could be, what it should be, what we want it to be. And I was like, this would go great on the YouTube channel. People would listen to this conversation. And ultimately it hit me. That's, there it is. That's, you know, that's something I could do to like, you know, bring people to the YouTube channel. This is something I could do to like expand my channel, you know, and it was just supposed to be a one-off thing, you know. we 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 did it as a video cast as you know versus doing it as a podcast because we just wanted to go ahead and give our thoughts on the game and ultimately we did do that first episode of the splat zones and it was a lot of fun like we did the show and then the response was great people are still watching that first episode on youtube and even more people are listening to it as a podcast um that first episode it really took off. It went crazy. And I wasn't expecting it to blow up the way it did. But it came out a week after the Pokemon Go announcement. People were ultra hyped about it. And as time went on, people just kept listening to it. So ultimately, I was like, this was a lot of fun. So I hit an after part. And I was like, dude, look at how many people are watching this video. And it's over an hour long. We should do another one. And then we should do it about, like, Amiibo and you know he was a little resistant to it because he's like i'm not a big amiibo guy but you know ultimately i convinced him to do it after some prodding we got it done that episode was a lot of fun and then we just ultimately jumped into our third episode you know we were both doing a lot of competitive smash at the time we did that then after party hit me up at that point it was real he's like dude we should do like an episode where we do like our top 10 video games of all time. And I don't know the, the whole story behind how we got to, th- how you got to that, how you chose that theme, but you can go ahead and tell that better than I ever could.
1: Well, the, I think I was having a discussion at work and I was just listening to um, some of my buddies at work. Tell me what they thought and how, You know, we were kind of like any time that, you know, one of the games on my list uh, matched one of the games on their list, it would be like, no way, you played that too. And people get so excited about that um, when you can kind of go back and reminisce about your childhood or, you know, some of the greatest video game experiences you've had. I thought that would be a good theme for the show. Um, But, yeah, the the reason why I got – into the show is because nice one told me to. So (laughs) I mean, and you think I'm joking, but I'm not. I initially was resistant. I didn't want to do the show. I was like, I do not want to do a podcast. I don't want to put myself out there. I, you know, I don't know why, but I, I guess I was just being shy, but, um, I, I was a little bit resistant and so nice one uh, was like, well, it's just going to be one episode. And I was like, okay, just once. And so we did the first episode and we got a really good response. I would, it was kind of crazy because, um, you know, he was like, man, I got like 80 emails about the first episode. I was like 80. I'm like, did you say eight? He's like, no, 80. I was like, Oh my God. Like, I didn't expect the response to be that great from the beginning. And, um, and so I was like, okay. And then he wanted to do another one. And I was like, I was still resistant. I was like, uh, I thought we were just supposed to do one. You know, I was just going to be like a guest on the show. And he was like, yeah, but we're going to, we need to do the smash episode or no, the amiibo episode. And I was like, I don't even know anything about Amiibos. Like, what do you want me to see on the show? He's like, don't worry. I'll do most of the talking, but you'll be there to give, like, some analysis and some counterpoints. And I was like, "Uh, okay, fine. I guess I'll be a guest, you know, on two shows in a row. And then after that, I don't know what happened. I just, I got into it, and uh, now I am the co-host of this fantastic podcast. But, uh, yes, in the beginning... I think Nice One tricked me into this, but it worked, it worked out, and uh, I have a blast doing the show. I love um, getting on here and talking about video games, and it's great to interact with uh, the fans, too, and to see what, you know, your guys' thoughts are, so yeah, that, was, that is uh, why we started this
0: journey. You know, initially, I didn't think we were going to take off, you know, you know, th- There's, you know, when I started looking into, once we started doing it more frequently, I started looking into a lot of things and I was reading like what makes things about what makes a good podcast and, you know, what point most people quit podcasting. And they usually quit by the seventh episode, usually because they haven't gotten the response that they expected. Uh, I got to be real, with you know, podcasting has, I've learned from podcasting that it's really kind of like a slow build. You know, you start with a few, you start with a few, and you build upon that. You expand upon that audience. And, you know, hopefully word of mouth spreads. But, you know, it, it was just something. It was it was a good way to you know, to have this outlet. We have these conversations anyway. It's not like we weren't having these conversations to begin with. We, we truly were talking about these things. And we still do, but now we kind of save it for the show. You know, since you know we're gonna have these conversations, we like to, and that's why we like to drop these episodes. You know, right when major news happens, that way you know we're having these conversations on the fly. We're you know we're giving you our honest to God first opinion that we're having on the on the subject matter, and it's it's just something that I didn't think it was gonna take off, but once it did, and I realized how much fun I was having. You know, not just having the conversations that we have, but also like the editing portions of it, that was fun. And then, you know, working on the videos was a lot of fun and it it just it kept growing and growing and growing. And the response kept getting bigger and louder to the point where people were asking us to go biweekly because we were we really did stick to that monthly schedule. For the first five months. Well, with the exception of the bonus episode of the top 10 games of all time, because, and that, that one was funny because we literally did our smash episode. And then the next day we came back and recorded our top 10 episode. So I, I think at that moment, like right when we got to that fourth episode and we talked about our top 10 video games and that, that episode got such a great response. I knew I was hooked to doing this show and it. It's something that I've I've enjoyed doing. And then it turned into like, well, how can we make it better? Because let's be honest, man, our first few episodes are pretty rough. Um, We had no idea what it would be like to first record a conversation and then release it in a video form. We had no idea how that worked. So literally our first few episodes were done Using FaceTime. Oh, my God, dude. you remember the technical difficulties we had using yeah. FaceTime?
1: I mean, our audio has definitely gotten a lot better uh, since we started using Hangouts. And, um, you know, we've – the show has evolved, uh, especially um, with the help of, uh, you know, using GameChops' uh, music, who um, – By the way, if you're a new listener to the show, you can find him on GameChops.com. He's the man who supplies this show with all the great music that you hear, and um, he's a really talented guy. So once, you know, we got that on board, you know, then the show really started to sound professional. But, you know, in the beginning, uh, there there wasn't an intro or anything. It was just like, hey, welcome to the first ever episode. We're going to call it the Splat Zones.
0: It was, it was rough. It was rough, man. Like, so rough. Like, to the point where, you know, I listen, I have every episode downloaded on my phone. I actively would avoid listening to the first six episodes before we started adding music. I actively avoided listening to them because the audio was bad. Like, the editing wasn't great. Like I learned all this stuff on the fly. I learned how to do all of this on the fly. Now, that's not a hundred percent true because After Party and myself, we both have a background in editing music. You know, we both, we we would edit music. So we have that background, but Mario's uh, After Party's experience with it is a lot more extensive than mine. You know, so I was learning how to do it a lot more. And I'm like, man, I should have paid more attention when we were editing, editing the music back in the day. But I think we're get we've gotten this show to a point where it sounds like a hundred percent legit podcast. Yeah. At least we hope so. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is I think, you know, like I said, I listen to about 15 podcasts a week and going back and listening to their first episode, their first year, I you know, and I'm not insulting anybody. I'm not knocking anybody, but I don't know if I've ever seen or heard a podcast evolve as quickly as ours did. Uh, We learned fast that the show had to evolve into something better. We learned that we I I was not okay with the audio quality, so I actively started look you know. I stopped i was upset with the audio quality the, the point where i was i learned that the, i was really upset with the audio quality is when i interviewed blake harris and even though that's a great interview it was a frustrating process because i had to edit that one um because that that was recorded over a phone. I connected my phone, my personal cell phone to the computer, and I recorded that from the phone. So that's literally a phone conversation with Blake Harris. Great interview um, that I had with him, but it was at that moment that I knew it was like, I need a better solution for audio. And I started doing research, which led me to Hangout, Google Hangouts. And since then, this show has sounded You know, spectacular. You know, of course, we're gonna have the occasional hiccup because you know, you know, we're using the internet. Right. Unfortunately,
1: your co-host and your host do not live in the same state.
0: Nah, not anymore, at least. Yeah,
1: not anymore, at least.
0: (laughs) But yeah, Uh you know, we're we're gonna have those hiccups. You know, we've learned to you know, we've learned to accept the things we cannot control, but there were things that we could control and. Definitely the switch to Hangouts was something we could control. And it's it's been great. And not only has it been great for the audio, but it actually made the video presentation of the show a lot better. Um, you know, before we had the anonymity of you never seeing our face. Our face is. But, you know, we're out here. And, you know, my goal was to make this into something, you know, similar to like, sports center or the MMA hour where you see us you see us you can visually view our personalities on the screen you know while we roll we in some b-roll and I you know now that the show has evolved the show evolved that I got to the point where we have our audio cast and our video cast are something that I am completely and 100% proud of but man dude ultimately I gotta say like I said it was it was a learning experience and it was, it wasn't easy, man. But I think this show has it taken such great steps, man. I think it's been an awesome year for us. It really has been.
1: Yeah, me
0: too. And dude, the, like the fan base, the fan base, man, like you guys kept us going, especially at points where I don't, I didn't think I wanted to do the show anymore in the first year. And it wasn't that I didn't want to do the show anymore, but it was like, it's a lot of work. But then, like, all the emails you guys send every week, you know, all the feedback, all the liking of the videos, you know, you know, the rating us on iTunes, you know, putting us in the top 10 on Stitcher Radio in our first week. The first week that we went to Stitcher Radio, we were in the top 10, like, That was you guys you guys did that for us and that like that's what 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 literally was like made me want to do a better show it's like i was like holy crap it's our first week and we were in the top 10 on stitcher you know we're on the you know we got to the front page on itunes in our first month that blew my mind i was like there are so many other nintendo podcasts that have you know longevity you know they been and we were we were right next to them that blew my freaking mind so it's because of you guys that we we've made this show better on all fronts on the audio front and on the video front but uh so that's how the show started that's what the journey has been like but throughout this journey after party and myself we have made some bold predictions Unfounded yeah. predictions, by the way. Predictions we had no right to make. But we made them anyway. So it's been a full year since we started. What predictions did we make that came true after party? I know you're you're ready to jump right into this. And guys, what we're going to do, we're going to do something special. After party is going to tell you what his prediction was. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the audio, and I'm going to add that to this episode that you can hear After Party actually making that prediction, or myself. So go ahead, After Party. What predictions did you make that came true in our first year?
1: So, I mean, we do speculate a lot and analyze things um, every episode. But that first episode, I think we probably, that's when we did it the most, um especially with Pokemon Go, because we didn't really know what this game was going to be like. And we had never played an augmented reality game before, at least not seriously. I know you had played Ingress, but I I hadn't played anything similar to it. So um, my predictions are are from the first episode. And uh, one of the things I said was I could foresee uh, little kids walking off a cliff, you know, trying to find... A Pikachu.
0: Will you play this game? Will you buy into the Pokemon Go accessory? And how how much do you think you'll actually be playing this game?
1: I'm not gonna play this game at all. I have no interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna I told you like I can foresee like little kids wandering through the forest falling off cliffs trying to like catch a Pikachu. You know, I kind of said that jokingly, but kind of not. And, you know, of course, nice one, like, and this was like July 16th, this this report came out. So this is not that long after the game came out. No, not at all. And uh, two men in their early 20s um, fell like somewhere between – 50 to 90 feet down a cliff um, searching for a Pokemon somewhere in California. And I was like, Oh my God, it happened. It really <laughs> happened. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and another thing that I, I predicted in the game was that um, it would let you, uh, well, there's a lot of things in the first episode. I said that it would let you be a gym leader I mean, you're right, the possibilities are endless. It would be exciting if they allowed you to be a gym leader yourself based on your performance of battles against other people. If there was some sort of a ranking system within, like, let's say, um, a 20-mile radius of you and all those people within a 20-mile radius, the top players, would be gym leaders um, for certain badges and other people would have to seek you out to you know, defeat you to get that badge or, or something like that. I don't, I don't really know how that would work. I also said that the first version would not fulfill its potential. I said that it would be good, but it would not be as good as I wanted it to be. And that really, that sums up a lot of the things with this game. As great as it is, we're still waiting for a lot of these features. So I said that, like, the next iterations or the next generation of, of Pokemon Go would be much, much better and uh, that looks like that's that's what's gonna happen but one thing that I, I did predict that has not uh, happened yet is that I said that if if Niantic was smart and they um, they really took advantage of all the potential this game has which they, they they haven't they've taken advantage of a lot of it but not enough of it in my opinion I said that, this might be the first mobile game to win game of the game of the year award, um, and you know we won't we won't know that for a few more months, but I guarantee you that Pokemon Go will at least be nominated. So, you know that's that's one thing that uh, that I talked about in the very first episode. But I mean, what do what do you got? Nice one.
0: Got um, yeah, a couple of predictions. Uh, well, one from the first episode is I did say that Pokemon Go Plus, this little device right here, because it was being handled directly by Nintendo, it would be hard to find. I, I do have one worry, though. It's This part of the project is being handled strictly by Nintendo. Um, I think what worries me about this is, Nintendo has really high quality control standards and that's part of the reason why we don't have a very strong Amiibo supply. Like, Amiibo have been out for a year in November, so we're, we're, we're what, 10 months in to the Amiibo thing and they have not been able to keep up with the demand. I honestly see Pokemon, the Pokemon Go Plus wrist accessory, I see that being something that becomes difficult to get your hands on.
1: I, I disagree. I, I don't think the Pokemon uh, Go uh, Plus wristbands are going to be a collector's item like the amiibos are. So I don't think you're going to have the same level of uh, scalping or people trying to buy multiple ones to collect them. You're just going to see people getting ones for themselves. I don't think there's going to be um, a really big issue with that. Plus, Nintendo only has to come out with one um, peripheral for that game.
0: Now, I you know, had I gone even further in that prediction, I also would have said that it would have been delayed. <laughs> That's the worst part about the Pokemon Go Plus is that it got delayed. And yet there still wasn't enough product to satisfy the demand Um, that, you know, that's insane. That, that I, you know, although that's not, that's not a surprise. That's not a surprise. No,
1: I I can't, I was listening back to that episode and I was so wrong about Pokemon Go Plus. I can't, I was like, why did I say that? Why did I think that it was going to come out on time? Why did I think that there was going to be enough for everybody? Like, have I not been a Nintendo fan for like the last twenty years of my life? Like, come on! But yeah, you were you were right um, about that. Because I still don't have a Pokemon
0: Go Plus. Uh, and in a later episode, I uh, I made a prediction that Japanese Pokemon players would dominate the metagame. I said that uh, when we were talking about. Pokémon Tournament being playable at EVO. I said that because they had the game for almost a full calendar year before we had it here in America, that they would be the players that would be the best. If you look at EVO... uh, I'm sorry, CEO 2016. No, I'm sorry, I was right. If you look at EVO 2016 and Pokemon Worlds 2016, the top two players were Japanese. The top two contenders in both tournaments were Japanese, and I called that, you know, and that's that's because they developed a meta for this game. They had it in the arcades for a full calendar year before we got our hands on it, and they're the world champions. And that's great. That's, you know, it's great because it gives us, you know, something to strive for as American competitive players in Pokemon tournament. But damn it if I wasn't right. There's one thing I do want to bring up, um, the transition between arcade to Wii U. Uh, this thing this actually bothers me because I feel like it hurt the overall worldwide meta. This game launched in beta you know, as a, in beta in 2014, had a full launch in Japan in 2015. Um, Dave and Busters is going to start carrying them now that the game has had a home console release did nintendo drop the ball with developing its meta by giving you know a whole country you know early access to this game essentially or is that just you know a byproduct of the fact that arcades are dead in most countries other than japan
1: i think it's the latter i mean American players will catch up and even if they had included it how many you know it's not easy to find an arcade anymore like it used to be like when we were kids i mean some of my fondest video game memories were just hanging out in the arcades and playing like fatal fury or you know tekken i mean there's just that just isn't part of the video game culture for this generation
0: dude and i so, I'm, i i agree and i'm the i'm the street fighter kid
1: yeah, I, you know, Street Fighter was... I remember you talking about, you know, growing up playing those games, and, I mean, I played Street Fighter on the console, really, not so much in the arcades, but, um, yeah, it's just... Um, I don't think if they had put it in the arcades, it would. It really would have been... A, um, there would have been a lot of people that had access to it, because arcades just aren't popular anymore. So I don't think they dropped the ball. I think it's just a reflection of Arcades aren't that big in America. Yeah,
0: but with the advent of, of locations like, you know, with the advent of Chuck E. Cheese's and Dave and Busters for the adult market, I mean arcades exist in some form. You know, there you of course, like I said, Chuck E. Cheese, and then you have your adult entertainment arcades like Dave and Busters. I go to Dave and Busters pretty frequently. I'm going tomorrow. There is a to me it, it, it was a misstep and had they, you know, had they mass announced, you know, announced a mass Pokemon tournament arcade cabinet for Dave and Buster's like across the country. People would go because people are hungry for Pokemon. They've been hungry for Pokemon since 1998. I mean, it's a way to drum up business. It's a way to develop a meta. It's a way. I mean, the thing about the FGC as a whole is that the FGZ still lives in arcades. People still go to arcades to play Street Fighter. They still go to arcades to play Tekken. That's where they go to build the meta. That's where they go to begin the meta. They still exist. And they still hold that purpose. So I I kind of think that the meta was hurt ever so slightly. It's not so significant. But, I mean, Japan basically had two years to get good at this game. Uh, we've <laughs> We've also made some pretty dumb predictions too like uh we we said you know that Nintendo would talk about the NX in 2016 <laughs> they still might <laughs> uh, what well, we got we got uh, three months left in the year I, I don't even think so anymore man
1: they have to because it comes out in March
0: well up to this point we've you know they, they talked about in in our first year as a show we've known we've known about it. The entire time we've known about the NX since the moment we started this show. In our first calendar year as a podcast, they have said nothing, nothing about it. Oh, we also predicted that Zelda Breath of the Wild would be out this year.
1: Yeah, that was pretty bad. But you know what? (laughs) All of our dumb predictions are because Nintendo like screwed us.
0: It's true like every time a prediction that we have is wrong it's because Nintendo's like I think they listen to us. I think they listen to us and they like they contradict us.
1: I guess I mean
0: yeah problem, you know but- there was one prediction that that you had um that I that ended up coming true like at the 11th hour. You said that Nintendo would have a surprise at E3 2016 you did predict that and literally the next day the day after we finished recording the episode released the episode Nintendo announces and a revised E3 2016 schedule like where they added pokemon go you know they added a uh, yokai watch uh pokemon sun and moon coverage So they did, you know, that was was a good one because, you know, you call that one and they made that one happen at the 11th hour, literally hours after we finished recording, they announced a revised E3 schedule. So that one was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, like I said, I mean, I've been a Nintendo fan for a long time. I, I kind of know how they like to operate, which, you know, once again, why I thought the Go Plus would come out on time and why I thought... They would have enough for everybody. I have no idea what was going through my mind that day, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's bad. GameStop employees laugh at me when I go in and ask for one now.
0: <laughs> yeah, but- <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> but GameStop employees laugh at everybody all the time because they're elitist the douchebags. That's neither here nor there. I have problems with GameStop, guys. But... Let's move on. Let's move on. So it's been a year, full year, full calendar year. We've had some moments uh, doing this show. So after party, what are your some? What are some of your favorite moments from this first year of podcasting? Um. Well, I think one of my favorite moments
1: was when we were talking about virtual reality and augmented reality and we kind of had like the aha moment of just realizing the differences between the two um and just kind of analyzing you know that they're really not like each other at all and that um augmented reality is is really going to take off and and virtual reality right now um it might still be a slow build so that was one of my favorite um, moments so far. Um, you know, another one of my favorite moments would probably be when we uh, called out some people who were trash talking to us and had to shut them <laughs> down. So, <laughs> you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was a that was a good moment. That was a good moment because, uh, you know, you're either with us or against us, guys. <laughs> I, uh... I think some of, I think the moments that were the ones that stood out to me, they come twofold. They really do. Um, I think one of the big moments of the year for me was when we did that that top 10 episode. Um, And, you know, that's your brainchild. But it's really hard when you think about like the thousands of games that we've played throughout the course of our lives. To narrow it down to 10 and one honorable mention, that was hard. That was hard. Like you, I really had to think about those games and like, why did those games make my list? Like, what was it about those games that was so special that they deserve a place on that list? And then, you know, comparing our list to see which games were the same and which games were different or if we had the same game the placement of that game like where did it fall in that in the line like that led to some debates between us like you know whereas i had final fantasy 7 as my number one game you had it ranked you know much much lower on your list and uh the fact that we like completely agreed on the placement of Pokemon Gold and Silver, you know, like there are just certain games that you know that probably would make a. There are games on that list that probably would have been on anybody else's list, you know, most other people's list. But then you know, I think we had a few curveballs there too, uh, like Mario Mario RPG, which is an excellent game, but an over overlooked game, and the fact that we both had it on our list. You know, it shows like how important that game really is, and it's and how unfortunate it is that Square Enix and Nintendo like can't get on the same page so that we can get a sequel to that game.
1: Yeah, um, and you know, as far as episodes are concerned, I mean, we have a lot of good episodes, but my favorite one is probably "What's Wrong with the Wii U." We got a great response to that one as well, and we really got to go in depth. And try to understand why a system fails and why that system in particular failed and really analyze, you know, everything from the lack of third party support to the marketing strategies. Um, And I mean, I think that Nintendo of America needs to hire us to supervise their marketing department (laughs) because I tell you what, if. If uh, me and you were there, and they were like, "Oh, we are going to name the new system Wii U," and we're like, "No, you're not, because that's the same name as the Wii, and no one is going to know that it's a different system." But you know, I I think that uh, that was a really great episode, and um, yeah, it it's uh, you know I got a lot of of uh, really great response from from uh, you guys, the listeners, so. That was one of my favorite ones to do. Yeah, you know, we're we're like we love the Wii U and we're such Nintendo fanboys. But at the same time, like when when Nintendo, you know, puts out something that isn't good or if if uh, if they screw up,
0: you know, we're gonna call them out on it too. You know, and that's something that you know, I think the beauty of that episode was, well, the like the the feedback you guys gave us was like, you can always tell yes. Like, it was, all, it was all pretty unanimous. All of you guys who responded to that episode said, it's amazing that you guys are such fanboys, yet you're, you're 100% willing and able to call out Nintendo on all the flaws. Like, that's true. Like, even though this show is a biased show, we are, we are Nintendo bias. You know, we are not above calling Nintendo out on on, on what they do that's wrong. Like, and there was a lot wrong with the Wii U, you know, not from a system standpoint, because as a system, it might be Nintendo's greatest piece of hardware thus far. But when it comes to things like marketing and branding and and, and just getting a better message out there and third party support, when, it, when you add in all these factors, you notice that there is something wrong with the Wii U, but it has nothing to do with hardware. Unless you want to count the fact that it might be, that it's underpowered hardware. By, you know, you know, Xbox One and PS4 standards, that is. Um, As I said, my, uh, my memories are two, you know, my, my favorite memories are twofold. So, you know, these like spontaneous moments that made me really think about the subject matter. So... Um, you know, like I said, with the top 10 episode, and like After Party said, my next one is going to be what's wrong with the Wii U, is he's right, we did really have to look at the system as a whole and figure out all the things that went wrong in this console's lifespan, so those episodes took didn't take as much research as other episodes do like our history episodes like the you know the, tw- the 25th anniversary for Super Mario Bros that was a lot of research you know the E3 episode that was a lot of research like because you know we're looking at archives and whatnot and, lo- and looking for archive footage and we're looking at all these things to figure out how to best present you guys with the information but when it came to the top 10 episode and the what's wrong with the Wii U episode it's what we had to, it's, it was more like soul searching. Well, it's,
1: out. it's more analysis instead of research, you know, yeah. because we know what happened. I mean, it, it's recent en- enough that we can remember it. It's just, you have to take that information and, um, and analyze why
0: it went wrong. So and then you have to, you know, we have to talk about it and apply it in a way that, somebody who's never heard this show or played the system could jump into this episode and really hear from a Nintendo fan's perspective what's wrong with the console. And and that's what made that episode really special. It's like, it's from the perspective of Nintendo fans. We're like, we are fanboys for Nintendo. So when a fanboy is telling you something is wrong with the system... You got to take that into account. You have to, you really have to hear what they're saying. And, you know, we said a lot of things in that episode. Uh, and the other thing, the other favorite memories I've had are the interviews. Um, this year, I got to interview two fantastic guests. Um you know, this is our first year podcasting one year. I don't know how many podcasts that don't have major financial backing can get the interviews that we managed to get in their first year. So, you know, right before we started the podcast, I started reading a book called console wars and, uh, I finished the book after we recorded our first episode, and the console wars were such an integral part of, you know, our childhood. Like, you were a Sega fan, you were a Nintendo fan, you really couldn't be both. I know you straddled the line a little bit as a child. You did have both.
1: Uh, yeah, but I grew up overseas, so <laughs> I was like kind of on the outside of all that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but like, you know, I grew up, you know, in te- in Texas and there there was a you could see the divide. You in the advertising, I watched all those commercials, there was a divide like the console wars were important like we wouldn't have gaming in the in the form that it is if it weren't for the console wars. I mean, the funny thing is, is that the console wars never really ended. They just the platforms just changed. Like back in the day it was sega it was nintendo those were the two mighty forces and it was it was aggressive it was competition and it wasn't just you know the games themselves it took pl- you know the battle went as far as the courtroom when it came down to the formation of the esrb like the the hatred that these two companies had for each other it's it went in it, it it found its way into into a courtroom when the United States government decided that we needed to regulate games, both companies were spewing venomous hatred at each other during these congressional hearings. Like these console wars were very real, very serious. So when I finished the book, you know, I I loved that book. It was an amazing book. And I wondered what it, it was like. You know, I want to interview Blake J. Harris. He wrote a fantastic book, and I just want to talk about the book, and I want to know about the process of what it was like to write about the book and be, you know, in a room with these amazing figures that ran these companies. You know, when you read the book, these people, their characters, like the book is told in a narrative in a narrative way. It's told as a story. Um, I wanted to know what it was like to be in a room with these characters, these people, and, and what their process was. And Blake was a fantastic interview, man. Like, he really wasn't. This guy has a busy schedule. This guy is making movies. He's making console wars into a movie. He's making console wars into a documentary. All the while, he's working on a second book about virtual reality. Blake was... really busy guy he's you know he's a really busy guy and the fact that he he took you know the time to you know get on this small little show and do that interview with us that was that was a fantastic moment and I really got to dive deep and I learned more you know talking to him um about the book I learned stuff that isn't necessarily in the book you know and I got to see how he felt because Blake was a Sega kid and I'm the Nintendo kid. So it was cool to hear why he went the route that he went, why he wrote the book the way he wrote the book. And it's because Blake is the Sega kid and Blake, you know, told the, you know, the book is told through the perspective of Sega. So that was fantastic. Um, And after talking to Blake, you know, I was like, well, that was awesome. That was an awesome experience. So I wanted to talk to the man himself, Tom Kalinske, the former president of Sega. And Tom is a very active Twitter user, very active Twitter user. So I decided to put on my big boy pants, you know, and I, you know, I hounded Tom Kalinske for an interview for two months. I was literally in his Twitter feed asking him for an interview pounding him for an interview, and I don't know if I wore him down or if he genuinely wanted to do the interview, but he did the interview, and it was fantastic. Tom Kalinske is the most, he he is the most down-to-earth guy you have ever met, and he had fantastic stories, like, like, and everything he, you know, I would ask him questions and he would genuinely surprise me with his answers. One of my, I asked him, I was like, you painted the picture, you guys painted the picture of Nintendo making baby games. Why did you do that? And when he told me because it was fun, I was not expecting that answer. But when I got that answer, it blew my mind. He's like, it was good, it was good for business and it was fun. I was like, that's that's brilliant. Like, it was it was fun. And great interviews. You know, I've had, you know... We, we've we done two interviews in this year, but they were both really great interviews that made for fantastic episodes of the show. Uh, the only thing I wish I could have done differently on those shows are... There's two things. I wish I could have gotten, you know, the Tom Kalinske interview with a little bit better audio. I mean, it's still you know, it still sounds good, but I wish we had figured out Hangouts before I did that interview. And uh second, I kind of wish that you had been able to take part in those interviews with me. Yeah, it would have been great. But yeah, those are my favorite moments of the years. Like, like these, these episodes that like, that mean, you know, they, they hold great importance. The, the, the top 10 games of all time, the, you know, the what's wrong with the Wii U episode and those interviews, those, those are like the moments that truly stand out to me in year one, that and the spinning, the, you know, the formation of the Pokemon corner, our spinoff cast. That was like, that's a good one for me too, because we got so big that we had to do a spinoff podcast that that's phenomenal.
1: Well, That is actually a great segue into the next point of, you know, the evolution of the show and and where we're going to take it. So you want to go ahead and and, uh, talk about our upcoming uh, plans for expansion.
0: That's right. Uh, So the format of the Pokemon Corner, the fact that that took off and there are episodes of the Pokemon Corner that that outperform our standard episodes it shows that there is a there's a larger fan base that we can reach in in multiple avenues the spot will always have the spot zones but uh what, what we're pl- what i'm planning to do specifically is once we put the pokemon corner on hiatus um maybe doing something a little bit more specific to the NX like an NX watch. Uh, This will be a uh, video series that I'm gonna do where I'm gonna take all the you know NX rumors and I'm gonna analyze them I plan on making them about anywhere between 7 to 10 minute videos where all the NX rumors that sound pretty legit I'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna analyze those Uh, so that's gonna be something that I'm gonna do uh, to expand The brand of the Splat Zones, they will be branded the Splat Zones presents uh, because that's just something we want to do. We want to associate all these video series that we plan on doing with the Splat Zones so that people who are new to the Splat Zones can associate the Splat Zones and the Pokemon Corner with the podcast and a video series. Uh, I know After Party, you have something that you're working on as well. Uh, I think you like you just recently started, but uh, I'm really excited for this one for you, man. Like,
1: yeah, it's a, so, it's a great idea. Um, well, and this is um, mostly because um, I've noticed that a lot of players on uh, my team team instinct for Pokemon go, um even some of the high level players who were like higher level than me, Ah, uh, didn't quite realize how to build prestige properly, and uh, so I'm gonna do a little segment about how to build prestige, you know, with Mario After Party, and um, probably gonna go ahead and do a, a video version of it as well. But um, originally, I was just gonna do an infographic, and it is going to go over the best ways to build prestige at gyms. Uh, and then the best and worst pokemon to leave at the bottom of a gym because there are certain Pokemon that you do not want to leave at the bottom of a gym if you want to be a good teammate and like you know like if for example if you're uh, if you're going up to a gym and uh, there's there's two Pokemon in it and it still has that third slot free you know you you got to take a look at the CP of, of the lowest Pokemon and if it's um, if, if you're going to put in something like, you know, uh, higher than it, then it should probably be a Pokemon that whatever's at the bottom of the gym should be something that's easy to build prestige on. And if it is, if someone leaves a, a Flareon, at, like if someone leaves like a, you know, 1800 CP Flareon at the bottom of a gym and you put in a 1700 CP Snorlax, you're just dicking your teammates because... Snorlaxes are a pain in the ass to build prestige against, and um, Flary Hunter is one of the easiest ones. You know, to to where like um, I've got quite a few Pokemon in my box that I can um, get a thousand points, prestige points for beating a Flareon with. So anyway, but that's one of the things that I'm going to be working on, um, and then you know. Like Nice one said, uh, the Pokemon Corner may go dormant for a little while. Uh, So, you know, we're always going to try to bring you stuff that's up to date and whatever's going on in the industry. So we might have an NX watch. But uh, I guarantee you, if there is some news, like uh, a lot of news, about like a Splatoon Part 2, I don't know what we're going to call it, but we will be giving you like, you know – the Rainmaker's Shield or something, because I'm going to be all over that.
0: Well, that leads me to our plans for Season 2. So we have been discussing a name change for the Splat Zones for a few months now. Um, we love the show. We love the Splat Zones as a name. But we do realize that up until this point, it's been a slightly misleading name Um mm-hmm. Slightly misleading because we've only talked about Splatoon once and we only did that on the first year anniversary of the game. Um, So with that, we, you know, because there's not a lot of major Splatoon news dropping on a regular basis. We decided that we've taken into consideration the changing of the name from the Splat Zones. To the nintendo power zone uh there are a couple reasons for this the first and most obvious reason is we want to pay homage to nintendo power magazine which was you know a huge staple of my childhood uh i you know i subscribed to nintendo power for many many years and it was you know it was just something i looked forward to every month and uh, because this is technically a monthly show, uh, you know, for the most part, like you know, the, sp- the spinoff casts aside. This is a monthly show, so it, it it felt it felt right to maybe call this show the Nintendo Power Zone, uh, moving into season two and beyond. So that's something, you know. That you will either we do it for the next episode that begins season two, or we won't. We might keep it the Splat Zones. That way, when they do announce a Splatoon two, we can actually have a Splatoon dedicated podcast. Um, the second reason we would call it the Nintendo Power Zone is because after Party and I have the I don't know what to call it, but we you know we grew up we're military kids. You know we grew up in a military base. The place where we bought all our video games and consoles back in the day was called the Power Zone. So we'd be paying homage to the place where we spent a good portion of our childhood buying games. So, you know, we're paying homage to Nintendo Power. We're paying homage to the Power Zone where we spent way too many hours buying games. So moving on to Season 2, don't be alarmed. If you do not see it as the Splat Zones and you see it as the Nintendo Power Zone, the show will retain the same format that we have built over the course of this year. Um, But it's just a brand new name. We're rebranding. Just just consider a rebranding, but it's still going to be your boy, Nice1983 and his illustrious co-host, Mara After Party, rocking on the microphone and delivering you the best Nintendo news out there. You know, and it also has an added benefit of you know, with the the show being called Nintendo Power Zone for new listeners who want to find a Nintendo themed show, if it actually has Nintendo in the name, you know, other than like being the third word in the, a very long name, the Splat Zones Nintendo podcast, it's it's a very long name. Moving changing to the Nintendo Power Zone is a lot easier than the Splat Zones Nintendo podcast. So that's something we are considering, but for season two, we have some epic scripts. Um, So our first episode for season two will be the long-awaited Game Boy episode. Uh, We've been trying to do the Game Boy episode for almost six months. Uh, That's how big and crazy the news has been, is that we've... Pushed the Game Boy episode back over and over and over, but it's something we've definitely been looking forward to doing. Especially now that Nintendo has a stronger foothold in mobile gaming, it's it's very important that we do this Game Boy episode right away. Uh, for se- you know, right at the start of season two, we have to talk about the Game Boy episode because it looks like Nintendo is moving in a very bold direction with the NX and mobile gaming. So we definitely need to address that.
1: And there's going to be a lot
0: of um, crazy information
1: coming out about the NX, Pokemon Sun and Moon, um, Zelda Breath of the Wild. So we want to get that one out of the way for you guys. You know, of course, uh, in November, I believe that is uh, like the 25th anniversary of uh, Zelda? 30th. 30th anniversary. My bad, yeah. So 30th anniversary in November. So, of course, November is going to be dedicated to um, a Zelda episode. But, you know, November is also the day that we're going to be getting Pokemon Sun and Moon, or the the month. And we're going to be getting uh, Mario Party uh, uh, Star Rush. And, I mean... We're probably going to be getting a lot more significant news about the NX just because, you know, at that point in time, Nintendo really has to start marketing it because it will be at the, um, you know, four-month mark. So that's – I mean, November is going to be a crazy month too. I guarantee you we're probably going to have to have uh, two shows that month.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to that will probably be the last episode of the Pokemon Corner before we go on hiatus, uh where we can give our initial thoughts on the game. Uh but don't worry guys, the Pokemon Corner isn't going away forever. It once, you know, Pokemon NX is announced. Pokemon
1: Twilight. I love that Pokemon. name. That was really that was really good. <laughs> I'm telling you,
0: it's the only way it's the only way to go is Pokemon Twilight. Um it, once they announce Pokemon Twilight, we are going to Legit, bring back the Pokemon Corner to get you all that information. Um, On top of that, if there is a large influx of Birth of the Wild news, be prepared for that. Be prepared for a Zelda podcast to take the place of the Pokemon Corner.
1: (laughs) Most definitely. Also, before I forget, guys, um, we are also... Trying to not not just expand the show, but you know, as we as we start to branch out to YouTube and also Twitter, um, we're we're gonna start like posting things about our speculations on Twitter. Um, it's just we're gonna be calling it you know our theories, and it's just a small little section that we're gonna be putting out um, to the fans and to people. Uh, Just so that you can kind of get some interesting theories and speculations about, you know, what might be happening um, in upcoming games. So far, all of our theories have been Sun and Moon related, and they've been the ones that we've talked about on the show, uh, mostly concerning the Ultra Beast. So uh, if you want, go ahead. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter at Mario After Party. And nice one. I forget your Twitter handle, but at nice
0: one, nine, eight, three. There we go. So, so yeah, you
1: guys hit us up on Twitter and, um, you know, we're going to keep you updated with, uh, all the latest theories and uh, speculation as well.
0: Yeah. And guys, you're going to be able to find that exclusively on Twitter. That will be our exclusive thing. And, yo, those, the theories that, that you did, they were great. Like they really came out great. And, uh, It's going to be awesome to be working on theories. I am currently working on my breath of the wild theories and those will launch uh, next week. So guys look forward to that. Uh, After party is right. We're, we're expanding the brand, you know, you know, we spent a year building the brand. The brand has become moderately successful. We're not, we're not a hundred percent there yet. We haven't hit like a million downloads yet. Although that is ultimately the goal, but you know, we've done really well in our first year. We've done extraordinarily well. And it's about, we've built the brand. Let's expand upon the brand. So, you know, that's why I want to bring the NX Watch, you know, you know, news feed where, you know, like I said, 7 to 10 minute videos. Obviously, After Party is going to be hitting you guys up with the best way to become a master at Pokemon Go. So, those are things you guys can look forward to. More plans for Season 2, obviously. Season two, we also have our year in review episode. Um that's that's a you know we it will be our first our second annual year in review and we're just gonna talk about you know 2016 as a whole. Uh it's one of our longer shows, but it's one of our more free-flowing shows because there's a lot to cover. But you know, we just basically we wrap the year up, you know. We also are gonna have I'm looking forward to this episode. Uh, we're gonna do an episode on rare, and we're calling it rare, a rare look at Nintendo's second party. That's gonna be a great episode. We're gonna talk about a lot of great games in that episode, like Battletoads and Donkey Kong Country. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about we're gonna do an episode on Game Freak, where we talk about the history of Game Freak. There is a lot to look forward to. Metroid 30th anniversary episode. We have. A lot of awesome episodes planned. We've we've literally scripted the next eight months worth of episodes and guys always remember that just because we have scripts doesn't mean that we will not preempt those scripts for major breaking news. We've done it before we're not scared to do it. Um, So guys season two is going to be awesome. We, we will potentially be branded as the Nintendo Power Zone, and we will have fantastic, fantastic episodes, and I am always working on getting more interviews for the show, so look forward to that, because I, I'm trust me, guys, I'm working on getting some amazing interviews. I don't want to say anything now, because I don't want to blow my wad without any confirmation, but the second I do have confirmation on these interviews, you will have them here as bonus episodes. So, After Party, man, what are your thoughts on the year as a whole, man? Like, what are your closing thoughts on our first year of podcasting?
1: It's been really good, and it's going to get
0: better. (laughs) He's 100% right, guys. It it has been a really good ride, and we we are going to make it better. Like like I said, like we said, we're expanding, possibly rebranding, and we're just gonna keep on doing what we're doing. We're gonna we're gonna bring you this great show once a month. We're gonna give you the sidecast. We're gonna you know, we're gonna bring you everything that we possibly can because you guys have given us a huge platform. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't have this platform. Uh, I mean, honestly, we would have the platform, but without you guys, it would be meaningless. So, um, you know, I would never want to be stand here on my soapbox, you know, if, if people weren't appreciating it. So, guys, I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I really do. Like, you guys have made this show a huge part of my life. Uh, My fiancé might hate you guys for it, but let me tell you, I love you guys for it. So, thank you so much, guys, for listening every month. And thank you so much for listening to our crazy spinoff show because I know nobody was expecting a spinoff show. Yeah. But with that, guys, this episode is a wrap. So we're going to hit you up with these social media links and then we're going to ride off into the sunset. You can always hit us up on Twitter at nice one nine eight three and at Mario After Party. You can hit me up on Facebook, Facebook.com slash nice one nine eight three game collecting. Go ahead and check out the website, nice one nine eight three dot slash game collecting. You can email us at the Splatzones at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the splat zones can always download new episodes on itunes and google play music if you want to stream us we're on stitcher if you're a fan of the video versions stay here on youtube because that's where we got the awesome video versions uh and guys don't forget if you're a fan of the music that we play in the beginning of the show during your commercial breaks and at the end of the show Go ahead and check out GameChops.com or search GameChops on YouTube because you will find a crap ton of fantastic video game remixes. These guys are the most talented bunch of DJs I have ever, you know, had the you know the pleasure of knowing. They do great work, and they have been a tremendous help to the Splat Zone. So listen to GameChops go ahead and, you know, trust me, you're going to find whatever you want at GameChops.com. That's it for this episode. After Party, my brother, you got anything left to say? As always, stay fresh. Stay fresh. Happy one year anniversary, guys. (laughs) Woo!